Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. We're starting a little bit different intentionally today. Um, most of you know um, the season that we've been in um, the last couple of months as we've been praying for Pastor Laura. Um, yesterday she stepped out of this life and she did step into eternity. Uh, and we do celebrate that she has received her heavenly reward today. But at the same time, how many know it's difficult to lose someone? And my heart has already been enriched today. We had an incredible opening service, but we're trying to set a little bit of a different atmosphere today. Um, but seeing Pastor Josh and um, the kids, and Abby and Simon and Jim and Bessie, they all came to church today and lifted their hands and worshiped God, and they're, they're still here. And I just want this family to know how much we love them. Come on, you do better than that. I mean... Wow. I had so many people stop me this morning and say they don't know if they could have walked into this building today and worship God like that. And, and I echo that statement. But we want to take time and just set the atmosphere today a little bit different because I know that many of you came in heavy hearted, uh, a lot on your mind, maybe some questions. And so we're going to set the tone. I got a scripture for you in Deuteronomy chapter number 33, verse 25. It says, as my days are, so shall thy strength be. And then another verse is Psalm 51, 17. It says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. How many know God is close to those who are broken? And when we are broken, when we are hurting, that is an opportunity for the presence of the Holy Spirit to meet us in a very powerful way. So what I've asked the worship team to do is they're going to lead us in worship like they always do. Um, but I'm also going to ask that the staff and the members of the prayer team that are in the room, if you would go ahead and get in place, we want to make our altars open during worship today. If you need prayer, you can come forward and receive prayer. If you want to to just come and kneel and have a time of prayer during worship. We just want you to know that the Holy Spirit is here and he's going to meet us in a very, very powerful way. And I want us to prepare our hearts for God to move. If you would, let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your presence today. We thank you, God, for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are good even when we don't understand. We thank you that, God, you are good when we have more questions than we have answers and God, we have come today to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would meet us here in a very real and intimate way. That you would minister to the, to the Nestor family, God. That you would minister your grace and your strength to them. And, and God, for any other person going through a difficult season in their life where they have more questions than answers, we ask that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would minister to them, bring healing, God. And God, most of all, be worshipped today, be magnified and be praised with these songs, with our voices, with our hands lifted. And God, we'll give you the praise for everything that is done and accomplished in this place today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for your giving. Um, 
let me say right up front that we had planned an entire uh, brand new series kicking off today and uh, on a series on worship entitled Breaking the Silence, and we're going to push it back to next week. I was uh, up at 5.30 this morning scribbling thoughts um, about how to speak to you today um, based on what we're going through as a staff and as a church and maybe what you're going through personally. How many know everybody's going through something? And so with that being said, uh, I'll just be honest. Is it okay if this is just kind of raw? This is not going to be like scripted or um, any, anything like that. Um, I'm really out of my comfort zone this morning because I am, uh, most messages that I prepare, um, minimum 10 hours for one sermon, uh, maximum is about 20 hours for one message to write it, to practice it, to be ready to go so that I don't waste your time and that we're able to honor God. Uh, but being up at the crack of dawn, scribbling notes to share what I'm about to share with you, I'm, I'm way out of my comfort zone. Uh, but at the same time, I believe there is something uh, powerful about it being raw and from the heart. And, um, and I just believe the Holy Spirit's going to use it to speak to you. Um, God is good all the time. And I think sometimes, even with knowing that God is good, how many of you would be honest enough, even in church today, you got to be honest in church, right? You can lie at home, but not at church. I'm teasing. Um, but we know God is good, but how many of you have ever been through a season where you questioned his goodness? I know that's heavy, right? Like, I didn't, I, Pastor, I wanted some help today. Like, I didn't want to go there. Um, but if we're being honest, we, we kind of all believe God is good. You know, we make, we say the, the lines, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And then we go through a season where we got, you know, this doesn't feel good. I don't, I don't really see your goodness in this situation. And we've all been there where it just didn't seem that life was fair. It could be for you that you lost a job or your parents divorced, your spouse left, a loved one died. Maybe on a, on a personal level, maybe it's, you know, why, why do I have migraines and I've not been healed of that? Or why um, am I struggling with the same temptation over and over? Or why am I still battling depression? Maybe it's just an everyday moment where you say, you know, I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm loving Jesus. I'm in his word. I'm doing good things for other people. I, I'm trying to be good, but I'm just not happy. It seems like no matter what I do, life does not turn out the way that I thought it should. Maybe on a global level, you look at the world and say, I, I, don't, I don't understand why children are starving or why are there wars going on? Why do innocent people sometimes suffer? These are all questions that, that we've asked, and, um, and, and it can cause you, if you're not careful, to begin to question whether or not God is good. And so um, if you've ever questioned the goodness of God, I believe today's message is going to speak to you. Um, I want to call this, for the next few minutes, I'm not going to preach long, hit your neighbor and say, that's good news. I didn't have enough time to prepare to preach long. Um, but I want to call the message, why did God let it happen? Why did God let it happen? Whatever it is, why did he let it happen? Um, we ask that question a lot. 
Over the last two years, I've asked, God, why would you allow that? Why are you allowing that? And it's a question that we've been asking since the beginning of time. People have always asked the question, God, why are you allowing this? Why aren't you doing anything about it? 300 years before the birth of Jesus, there was a Greek philosopher who came to some conclusions. He had two statements and a question. His two statements were this. I'll read you the two statements and then his question. He said, if God is not able to prevent evil, then he's not all-powerful. The second statement he made is, if God is not willing to prevent evil, then he's not all-good which led to the question that this Greek philosopher asked. He said, if God is both willing and able to prevent evil, then why does evil exist? Why does God let it happen? And it's tough when we think about things that we go through and we begin to ask why certain things happen, why does God allow it? But when you read the Bible in context, you read the scriptures in context, um, Evil and suffering are a central theme. Bad things happen to good people. Suffering happens to good people who love God, who are called according to his purpose, who have laid their lives down to follow Jesus, that all throughout Scripture we find them um, struggling. And to follow Jesus, how many followers of Jesus do I have here this morning? Anybody following Jesus? How many know some, some days that's easier than others, right? Some days it's easy to follow Jesus. Like it's just, you know, daisies and roses and sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. But there are days you follow Jesus and do I have to forgive them? Do I have to let this go? Do I have to endure this pain while I'm following you? But following Jesus actually makes sense of, gives meaning to, and offers a solution to the evil and the suffering that is present in the world. The Bible does not avoid topics like pain, evil, suffering. There's countless expressions of those that followed Jesus that were in a season of anguish, a season of confusion because of their suffering and pain. We've got prophets that, like Jeremiah, who was named the weeping prophet. He weeped all the time. Why did he weep? Because the people refused to repent. His job wasn't easy. How many know your job's not easy if you cry all the time doing it? The weeping prophet. David loved God with all of his heart. He's called the man who was after the very heart of God. He worshiped God, but he also cries out, God, are you listening? Do you even care about what I'm going through? Because right now, God, it really feels like you don't care. Is this too real on a Sunday morning? You don't care. You're not coming to my defense. John the Baptist, his entire purpose was to prepare the way for Jesus. His whole life dedicated to preparing the way for Jesus to step onto the scene. And what, what is the benefit? What is the payoff for John the Baptist? He prepared the way, but it ended with him being arrested and beheaded. 
Where are you, God? There's a guy in the Old Testament book of Psalms by the name of Asaph. Twelve different Psalms are attributed to him. He's not only a psalmist, but he's a poet and a prophet, and he was the leader of the choir tabernacle. He was a worship pastor. He would have been the guy in the very tight jeans and the cool haircut. That's who he was. Um, Y'all, come on, smile. Y'all help me out a little bit. He had on the tight jeans. He had the cool haircut. You know, he looked the part. But he felt like, Asaph felt like, the people who did wrong were getting the blessing. And the people who did right were suffering. So you got, how many know when your worship pastor is in that mood? It's not a good day for the church. Right? Like all the evil people are getting blessed out here, Lord. They multiply them. And all the good people are suffering. He's frustrated. In Psalms 73, starting in verse 11, he says, What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? God, I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. You probably don't want that guy leading the songs that day, right? It's probably not the guy that needs to be. He doesn't need to be preaching either. He needs to take a time out, right? He needs a time out. Um, and, and so he's wondering, God, where are you? Why, why are you letting all these things happen? And it's heavy, but if God is loving, if God is loving, why would he allow suffering? Why would he allow that? I think a lot of us have asked that question. Let me make a statement here that will help some people. God can handle your doubts. He can absolutely handle your doubts. They do not intimidate God. He knows that we, we have good seasons and bad seasons. He understands that we have seasons where our faith is really high and we have seasons when our faith is low. But a lot of us, we, we say things, if God is a good God, then why would he allow someone who didn't do anything wrong to go through something bad. If God is loving, why would he allow it? Why would he allow suffering? This is important to understand that God has given us something called free will. Everybody say free will. This is important because a free will, we get to choose how we live our lives. We get to choose love. How many love is a choice? Like, it's not a feeling. Come on, there are going to be days you ain't going to feel like loving people. But as a follower of Jesus, you have to make a choice to love people. And as we talked about in the last series, some people are harder to love than others. But if it's possible to love, it means that it's possible to hurt. Right? Love is possible because we have a choice. And free will is a theological phrase that we use that explains that God has given you and I the ability to choose things. We can choose love or hate. We can choose evil or right. We can choose love, hate, evil, right. We can choose righteousness or sin. God gave us a free will. And so 
This is important to understand. You say, well, why did God set it up that way? He set it up that way because he didn't want a bunch of robots. God loves us, but he gave us free will because God ultimately wants us to choose to love him back. I need somebody to give God a little praise right there. He wants us to choose to love him back. It's a choice. We can choose to love him back or not choose to love him back. Part of the reason there's pain and suffering, and this is not like the end all be all, but there's pain and suffering in the world because there's sin in the world. There was no pain and suffering in the world at all until Adam and Eve missed the mark. And then we were introduced not only to sin, we were introduced to being separated from God and now we see evil and we see pain and we see suffering. And what happens with that is a lot of us, we rarely ask this question. If there is no God, because how many know in our world, there's a lot of people that say there's no God. But if we were to ask, if there is no God, who decides what's evil? If there's no God, no standard, who decides what's evil or what's right? All right, now walk with me for just a minute. I told you this is raw, like I'm not as prepared as I should be for a message. But y'all still here, right? Hit your neighbor and tell him, wake up, wake up. By the end, I believe this is going to make sense. Right now you're like, what's he talking about? But how many of you grew up with a brother or sister? Okay, I grew up with a brother. How many of you grew up with a brother or sister that you fought with? Look at all those hands. Everybody like, yeah, jumping up. Like, yeah, we fought. Um, my brother and I sometimes would fight. Obviously, I whipped him most of the time. If he watches this back, he's going to have words with him. I couldn't whip him now because dude bench presses like 300 pounds. I ain't messing with him. But when we were growing up, I was the older brother, and so I always won then. Now I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm undefeated, so I'm not fighting again. I'm going to keep my record. Keep my record. He wear my behind out now. That's called wisdom, young people. Wisdom. <laughs> know what fight you can win. Um, but sometimes we would fight and we would duke it out. Like, I mean, we, we had some, like, come on up in here, Floyd Mayweather, jab you right in the forehead and put a knot on it. Like, that kind of fight. But there were sometimes in the middle of the fight um, that one of us would want to go tell my parents, which is unique because they're here today as I'm telling this story. We would want to go tell my parents on the other one. Like, I'm going to go tell on you. And then the other one would say, no, I'm going to go tell. And it was a race on who could get to them first to tell on the other one. Anybody know what I'm talking about right now? Like, we're going to tell on each other, and it's a fight to get there. But if there were no parents, there would be no rules. If there is no God, there would be no rules. But how many know there is a God and there are rules? We have free will. We get to choose what is right and what is wrong. we got to make a choice. There, there is an authority. And so in the presence of sickness and pain and suffering, I want to tell you that suffering is not evidence of a lack of love. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. In the natural, if you destroy your knee and you got to go in for surgery, how many know that surgery, if they didn't put you to sleep, that surgery is going to hurt. But they love you enough 
to do the surgery because something better is coming. If you, if you go through a difficult traumatic season and you go to counseling, it's not fun to talk to a counselor and talk about all the bad things that you've gone through. But how many know there is purpose in your pain? That as you uncover some of the darkness, some of the trauma, some of the things you don't really want to, it hurts, but you know that there's something better coming. As a parent, you discipline your child. How many, how many, is that still allowed anymore? Are you allowed to do that? But if you discipline your child, you do that. It brings maybe for a moment a little bit of pain, but how many know you're not doing that out of a lack of love. You're doing that because you love them. Again, why do bad things happen to good people? How come bad people sometimes have good things happening and good people have bad things happening? This is going to be a little bit hard to hear, but when we ask why do bad things happen to good people, I need to remind everybody here, we aren't good. I just preached. I could drop the mic and go on home and eat lunch. We aren't good. All have sinned. And all have, have come up short of the glory of God. All of us have missed the mark. Jesus is the only one who is good. The only one. And, and not only is he the only one who is good, he also, being good and sinless, volunteered himself for pain and suffering so that you could be in relationship with God. He volunteered himself. He's sinless He's good, he's perfect, he's holy, but yet he took on the punishment for sin. What did God do for you and I? He suffered. He surrendered the glory of heaven, came into the earth. He was raised to an unwed mom or born to an unwed mom, rejected by family, abandoned by friends, falsely accused wrongly in prison. Jesus, the only one who was good, was beaten, tortured, stripped naked, hung shamefully on a cross, and worst of all, became sin. And in doing that, he was separated from his father for a brief moment and lost intimacy with him. And we can see it in Matthew 27, 46. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus. Where did you go, God? Why does it feel like you've left me? I've been obedient. I have lived for you. Why have you forsaken me? How many are thankful that Jesus, who was perfect, came and volunteered himself to suffer so that you and I can spend eternity with him in heaven? Anybody thankful? That's the gospel. That's the gospel message right there. He felt more pain than we'll ever feel. And God had to watch as his innocent son suffered. Again, why does God allow suffering? I can't answer the question directly, but I do know it's not because God doesn't love you. Scripture is ridiculously clear about God's love for you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him 
shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves us so much that he took our misery, he took our suffering, he, he took it so seriously that he was willing to let his son stand in our place. Why? Because God knew something better was coming. He knew that it takes a death in order to have a resurrection. He knew it takes a hurt to have a healing. He knew it takes a loss in order for us to overcome a loss and obtain victory. God knew that no matter how dark the situation may get, that he has the ability to bring something good out of a terrible situation. God knew that. If you're going to clap, you might as well just go ahead and clap. And today, as painful as it is with what many of you are walking through and specifically what Pastor Josh and his family are walking through, we do know that as a follower of Jesus, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And Laura has received her eternal reward today. And we can celebrate that truth. So worship team comes. That'll help me quit. The Bible tells us very clearly that we will suffer. Oh, praise the Lord. It says we will die, but it also says we will rise. And those who use their free will to follow Jesus, one day you will meet him face to face. You will see him eyeball to eyeball because something better is coming. We are moving to a place with no more suffering. In Revelation chapter 21 verse 4, it says, He, God, will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain all these things are gone forever. I'm going to say it again. Something better is coming. In the presence of God, there's no more loss. There's no more sickness. There's no more shame. There's no more crying. There's no more grief. There's no more depression. There's no more abuse. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. There's none of those things. We're just not there yet. But until we get there, how many know death is a part of the story? Pain is a part of the story. Suffering is a part of the story. Nowhere in the scriptures will you find everything will be great and it'll all be rainbows and unicorns for you your entire life. And then you get to spend eternity. Like it's just all heaven for you. This world is difficult. That's why we have this hope. That's why the scripture says, encourage one another about the coming of the Lord. We talk about the end times and people get all afraid. Paul said, encourage one another. But this ain't it, baby. Hit somebody and say, this ain't it. This ain't it. This is just not it. This is a dress rehearsal for where we're going to spend eternity. And eternal things are what matters. We live in a sin-stained world, but even in the midst of a sin-stained world, love is still possible. Doing the right thing is still possible, but on the other hand, so is evil, and so is doing the wrong thing. It's all possible. 
when I look at the landscape of our world and many of the conversations that I have with people, it's hard when you look at a mom and dad who have lost one of their children and walk them through that process or meet a young girl who has been abused or molested and help them through that process of suffering and pain. Even with our own staff this week, Laura being a young mom of three children, what we believe she left here prematurely. I don't have the answers to all of the questions. And I also know that some of the questions we have, we're not going to have an answer until we get to the other side. Any given moment, when life seems to not be fair, we could conclude that maybe God is not good. But if you walk with Jesus over a lifetime, there may be moments that you question his goodness, but if you walk with him over a lifetime, you will learn that he is not only good, but he gives you peace in every kind of situation. But you got to walk with Jesus long enough to get past those seasons that do not seem fair and it just doesn't seem like it's working in my favor. We started with Asaph. I want to end with Asaph because he said, God, do you know what's happening down here? Bad people are prospering. Good people are suffering. How, why am I keeping a pure heart? Why don't I just live like the devil? That's basically what Asaph is saying. But in verse 16 of the same chapter, Psalm 73, he said, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Think about that. When I tried to understand why bad people seem to be prospering and good people are suffering. Last night, I'll be honest, I, when I tried to understand everything that happened yesterday, I was troubled. I'm troubled by it. I don't have answers for it. I'm troubled by it. But he said in verse 17, he said, let's read it in context, 60. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. He said, I was troubled about everything I had walked through. I felt like life wasn't fair. This is not what I signed up for. I've given my life to follow you, God, and things are not working out, and I'm troubled by it until... I got into the presence of God until I experienced the goodness of God, until I saw that His grace could sustain me in any season that I walked through. I was troubled until I got into His presence. Troubled until I got into the sanctuary and I encountered the presence of God. You can stand all over the room. All of this stuff, it bothered me. The pain bothered me. It troubled me until I got into the sanctuary. The problem of evil and suffering is not contrary to the Bible. It's actually central to the message of the Bible. But more than anything else, Christianity and following Jesus, it actually makes sense of and gives meaning to and offers a solution to the evil and the suffering and the pain that you and I experience. 
those who are suffering, those who are hurting, let me go ahead and tell you, God hurts with you. He hurts with you. We have a high priest who can sympathize with our pain. It's why I couldn't wait even on a day like today to get into the sanctuary with the people of God because there is something about coming into the sanctuary where the, where the people of God have gathered together that in an atmosphere like this, all things are possible. Those that are struggling can find refuge today. Those that are sick can be healed. The worst thing that has ever happened in your life, and we all have a worst thing, an event, something that happened, something we went through. We could point to it and say, you know what, I wouldn't want my worst enemy to go through that. I would never want to go through that again myself. But how many know that in those most difficult seasons where you would never want to sign up to go through it again, that God is always faithful and you always end up experiencing his presence in a way like you had never experienced it before. Anybody agree with that today? Can you give God a praise in the house? Take just a minute to give God some praise. We're going to open up these altars in just a second and offer prayer for every person that's hurting, every person that's disappointed, every person that's struggling with their faith, every person who's got questions, more questions than you have answers. But before we do that, I... I want to speak to those that are here today that maybe you're not in relationship with God. Maybe you go to church, but you're not following Jesus. Maybe you've been in church a long time, but you're not really following Jesus. The truth is, is that God has given you a free will. He has made salvation available, but how many know we have to choose to love him back? And today you've been given an opportunity to love him back to submit your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. We're going to offer this to those watching online and those in-house. But those who are in-house today, and you would say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I'm not where I need to be with God. I'm not right with God. I need to give him my life. I need to submit my life to Jesus. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, that's me, but I want to make things right today. Lift that hand. I see that hand over here. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Say, Pastor, that's me. I need need his grace. I need his forgiveness. Anyone else? Those watching online, you can join in. Our moderators will pray with you. But I want every voice to lift this up together. Let's pray loud enough as a family today where we can hear it with our own ears. Everybody say this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me for all my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a praise right there. Come on, give him a big praise right there. Those of you that made that decision to follow Jesus, there's a connect card in the seat back in front of you. I would love for you to take a moment and let us know who you are. 
that you made a decision to follow Jesus. We have a table in the back left of the room, my left, your right. Um, If you could drop it off there, we want to put a gift in your hand. We want to help you take your next step. How many of the greatest miracle in the world today is still when somebody who's in darkness has now stepped into the light? That's still the greatest miracle. So take advantage of that. Let us put a gift in your hand and help you take your next step. Prayer team and staff, if you would go ahead and get in place. These altars are open for anything that you guys need prayer for today. Don't leave without us praying with you and for you. You don't have to leave with the same burden or feeling that you're fighting a battle alone. God is with you and God is for you. Anybody glad that you came to church today? One more time, give him a praise as the worship team comes. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.